Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. I'm your host, Travis Tyler, and joining me today is Matthew Jacobs. So welcome. And today we're going to do a special one, me and you. It's a one that unfortunately we may have more experience with some of our other hosts. And the topic today is surviving a church split. Now I've gone through a church split. You've gone through a church split. And so we were thinking the best way to do this was I would kind of be the host and drive the train for you. And then we'll flip the switch, right? To use a little TikTok lingo, but, uh, and you'll, you'll do it. So tell us about, if you can quickly, your story in going through a church split. Well, I think before we get started, Travis, um, I think it'd be helpful before I kind of dive into to my story for us to answer just a couple questions. Um, because some of us might sit there and people listening to this might <clears throat> take a church split as there's a group of 15 people mm. in a church of 200 that got upset and left. And so the church split. Yeah. And so I'll ask you real quick before I tell my story, how do you define a church split? It's a great question. There's a lot of different definitions for a church split, but I would say uh, the minimal definition I would use for a church split would be 25% of the total congregation exiting. I think a true church split is going to be upwards of close to 40% of the congregation exiting at one time. Uh, anything below those numbers, particularly below the 30 or 25% marker, I would say is a church fracture which may or may not be bad, depending on the situation. That might be a Sunday school class leaving or something like that, but it's not not in the same category as a split. So that's that's what I would say. I would I would define it as a, a large max mass exodus leaving over an apparent uh, issue that may or may not be important depending on the situation. Yeah. No, that's good. And then I just want to clarify that before we kind of dive in of what a definition of a church split is. Cause I, like I said, there's instances where you have 10 or 15 people in a church of 200 get upset and leave and everyone might sit and start saying, well, with our church, we have a split, you know, just kind of, kind of like that. And you know, actually, when you asked me this, you know, I've actually been around two church splits mm. in my ministry. Um, and I'd forgotten about that. I, um, when I was in college, I actually, I started preaching for a church that was building a facility and it wasn't until after about six weeks of preaching there every Sunday that I realized this church had split off of another church. Um, that was literally, literally, and it's kind of those classic textbook definitions of split 50% left and they moved the new building about two to 300 yards down the road from the previous building. <laughs> Like it was crazy. And, um, I, I preached, and I'll never forget the last Sunday I preached once I realized it was a church split, I preached on love and reconciliation and how God doesn't, um, God doesn't bless and really endorse places when you still have bitterness in your hearts towards your brother. And so mm-hmm. for this church to grow, we need to reconcile with our former brothers. I never got a call back from that church to come fill in again. Wonder um, why. For Wonder some why. reason. <laughs> I don't know, but, but, um, in a more real way of actually being on staff for a split, I think looking, um, ours was not not too long ago. It was a little over, about a, 
getting close to a year and a half ago when the process really started um, with some issues is basically there was a time when our church, uh, how far back should I go in this story? I think we're looking for cliff notes. So cliff notes. Okay. So long, long, big picture cliff note version. Our church had a pastor that had been there for about 35 years, a youth director that had been there for about 20 years, both left uh, within about two years of each other. And so a new pastor and a new youth pastor come in, um, see some things to change and try to bring about some change that is needed to bring up to more of kind of how a lot of churches operate in the 21st century um, with some things. Things don't go well, and so this starts to see people disgruntled, people frustrated, to ultimately um, in the summer of 2018, um, there was a Sunday night that things had gotten pretty bad at the church. Like business meetings were like just a war zone on uh, the third Wednesday night of the month for our church. And so there was a Sunday night. I would went to church and about 10 minutes left into the service. Um, one of the deacons comes up into the sanctuary and pulls me out of a Sunday night worship service and brings me down to the, down to a meeting where the deacons are and part of the personnel, a couple members from personnel committee are in there. And they asked me and tell me that there had been a letter written from personnel on behalf of our pastor asking for my resignation. And completely blindsided me. They asked me some questions and some detail of what was going on. And from there, um, kind of started a lot of issues in the church, as you would guess. Um, if you see one of your pastors get pulled out on a Sunday night in front of the whole church, uh, that's kind of like a what's going on here uh, type meeting. And so there's a lot of questions going around. Ultimately, what, what I came to find out is my pastor was using me as kind of like a scapegoat for a lot of the issues that were going on in the church. And so it was asking me to leave and the church really had no say in it. And what ended up happening was um, there was a Sunday night meeting about a month later where he uh, disclosed to the whole church, all these reasons why he wanted me gone. And from there, then it really, were you in that meeting? I was not, I was asked not to come to that meeting. So actually what I did, cause at the time we were living like 150 yards from the church. I told my wife, I was like, babe, if they're meeting about me and I can't say nothing, like I can't be around here. So we actually went to pizza Inn in Elizabethan where I got a text message from one of our church members that really could not stand me at all. Like I would open the door for this person and they, I'd say, Hey, and they would not say anything to me and just walk past me. Mm -hmm. um sent me a text was like really wish that you were here you're getting thrown under the bus tonight mm. and, that and i had from, uh, from somebody that's not your family it was it was not and i mean i i i really couldn't eat pizza after that i haven't been to pizza in since then i kind of have you know as much as i love hey, that pizza don't, i'm kind of scarred pizza in under the bus that is delicious stuff <laughs> well it I, is I, man we had one there. growing up back home in alabama mm. <laughs> they, they, they love them but you know that that night really was a turning point because what i'd find out is i've been lied to to my face 
for about a month. Mm-hmm. And my wife had been lied to to their face. And what happened that night was there were two groups of people that rose up in our church. Those that were very much anti our pastor and those who supported me, even though that's not really what the, the point of the meeting was. And what ended up happening is the pastor realized that the way he had handled some stuff that his time with the church was done. Like from what, from where I was sitting, he resigned, I think maybe within a month after that meeting. And I had been told that if he had not resigned that, you know, he was going to be asked to leave not much longer. Um, So he left, resigned, preached another month, really did some damage in that last month of, of bullying from the pulpit. And what ended up happening was he left his last Sunday, I think it was like mid middle of October and he left. I started doing everything. We had several leave the Sunday that he resigned. We had probably about 15 people leave the church that Sunday that never came back and some leaving throughout the process. And then a about March, maybe he decided to plant a church that God had called him to plant a church for people that wanted to, to worship God. And so he, he planted a church called Harmony Baptist Church about 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes from where we currently worship. And when he decided that he was going to plant a church, that's when we probably had about, we, we had at least 50 people and one Sunday decide they were no longer going to our church anymore. And then that, um, so we lost in that process of, of six months. Yeah. What did that, how long, how did that look after that was over? You went from what to what? Well, what do you mean? How many did you have at the beginning of the six months? And then how many did you have after the, the I mean, so months? the beginning of the six months, we, we probably were running in the morning he resigned. We probably had about 200 in mm-hmm. service. And by the end of that six months, we're probably running 140, 120, somewhere in there. Um, you, you lost at least 25%. So, yeah, that's, that's that's about that's 50. Yeah, we did. And, I mean, in reality, uh, at one point before all the – yeah, and before all the drama kind of got started, we were running 250 on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. So we'd lost in just a couple, within a little over a year, we'd lost over 100 people on Sunday mornings. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but um, just briefly, because I'm not sure that all, I don't know who all listens to our podcast, but just for those that are maybe not in pastoral ministry or not in student ministry, um, what kind of effects did this have on you and your family at at a personal and spiritual level? It was extremely, extremely hard. Um, And one of the reasons I I think, you know, my my wife kind of (laughs) might be an idea to do a pastor's wives (laughs) one later um, because I'm sure Becky handled y'all's a lot different than you did. My wife just really kind of retreated in and was just hurt. And she's like, I don't know who to trust. Mm -hmm. You know, why are we continuing to pour our lives out to people that have hurt us? And so she was real bitter. For a long time, me, I won't say I was bitter. There was just some people I was really scared of in the church. Like, I'm scared. I don't know what to say. 
Um, cause I know how you were six months ago and I know how you are now. And it's like, you're talking to me now where you didn't talk to me six months ago. Um, so there, there was some of that to me, I was more on a personal level. It was just kind of sick, like just sick, hurt, frustrated. There was some anger there at sometimes cause some stuff was taken personal when it shouldn't really have been personal. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a, on a spiritual level, I really wrestled hard because my my character and my integrity had been attacked, and I was never given a platform. Like I'm the type of person, if you come at me, like I could be wrong, but I want you to hear my my side of the story. Mm-hmm. Like give me a chance to defend myself, and there was no point ever where I was ever given a platform to defend myself. Yeah. And I remember like talking to my home pastor about this and he sat there and in that process of talking, he's like, Matthew, you've got to understand that there's nothing you're going to say or nothing you're going to do that's going to help out the situation. Mm-hmm. And he, he sat up there and pulled up. He was like, look at, look at David, you know, go back and read in the old Testament. Look at David when he'd been given, when he'd become the king and he'd been anointed and he'd been set apart, but yet he wasn't king yet. Cause Saul still lived. How many times did he try to kill or attack Saul? Never. Like he, 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 he always let Saul, you know, go because he didn't want to attack someone that was after him. He didn't want to kill the person trying to go after him. Um, and so like to me, I had to sit there and kind of sit back in a weird situation and realize even though I disagree and my character was attacked and went through a lot of hurt emotionally and a lot of baggage to where, I mean, there was people that I talked to all the time that even to this day, if they see me out and about, they're, they're just turning the other way. Like if I go to the grocery store and we're going down the same aisle, they turn down and I turn down, they're turning their buggy around and go the other way <laughs> to avoid seeing me. Um, like real childish stuff. And I just had to realize like, you know, that, that's, I need to pray for these people versus being frustrated with these people. Yeah. Well, you know, I need to pray that they, yeah. We, we we have to have a certain benevolent um, view towards those who have hurt us, and that's hard. And uh, Yeah, I mean, it really is. But uh, let me ask you this. So <clears throat> give, us a, give us a little bit larger picture of how do you, have you seen God use this split? Because ultimately I – I would almost compare church splits to divorces. You know, when you see a divorce in a family, you know, somebody gets custody of the kids and the dog and somebody gets the building and somebody doesn't get the building and, you know, the house. And so it looks a little different in our, in our particular venue, it's somebody gets the staff members and somebody gets the building and somebody gets this or that. How have you seen God work? Like, what do you think God does in splits? And maybe even if you've thought about how, how God has used the split you went through, for uh the gospel or for the kingdom of god or for the great commission so so i think one of the ways like in our case a couple things i've seen god doing is one is i think churches that are doing very well financially kind of get complacent i mean all of us if we're doing well we get we can get complacent very well and I, i think what it's done is when you become complacent, sometimes you get a bigger head. And I think really what this church split, one of the ways I think God worked in it is God, I think, used it as a wake-up call that, you know, like, what have you been doing? Because if we'd been focused externally 
in a lot of ways that caused a lot of problems, we wouldn't have had all the internal issues that we had. Do you think it would be safe to say that the church stops serving its community and starts serving itself uh, and sometimes needs to be shaken out of that? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's really what it was. It was kind of God was shaking us and realizing you're not as big as you think you are. You're not as great as you think you are. And it's not about you. You know, what, what are we doing to love the people of Avery County? What tangible ministry and what tangible ways have we left this building and actually been the hands and feet of Christ in the neighborhood? That's good. You know, so I, I think that that's one way is us kind of waking up from our slumber, you know, kind of like, oh, you know, there, there's still work to be done. Um, instead of kind of resting, like, like I think we were to some degree, and I, you know, and then part of it also like spiritually, you know, at least for me, you know, I was 24, somewhere in there. I think when I came here, 24, 25, something, I don't remember. I'm not good with numbers. Um, and so, I mean, you're, I'm, I'm still, I'm 28 now. I'm still young. Like I'm still a young you know, ministering the gospel and still learning. And I, I think one of the things God used in, in teaching me through this was you see things that need to be done and there's a way to go about getting it done in a way not to go about getting it done. And I think in ministry, and I, I've also heard you talk about this in some of our groups we meet with, is we see stuff that needs to be done, but ministry is not a, a short game. You know, it's not a sprint. You know, ministry, if you want to do ministry well in the way that I'm, you know, feel my calling is, is my ministry is not a sprint type ministry. My ministry is a, is a, is an Iron Man. Like I want to be the type of pastor that is at a church. Like I'm perfectly fine if I'm at Crossing until I die. You know, like I don't want to jump around to a bunch of different churches. I want my life poured into a group of people and teaching them and equipping them to do the work that God's called us to. And if you have that long term view in mind, then I think it changes the way we go about trying to get things done in the church. There's a lot of things that definitely needed to be done, but were handled in a wrong way. And I could not see that until months and years after the fact of being able to look at it from another perspective and go, yeah, this could have been handled a completely different way. And if this would have been handled a completely different way, we wouldn't have had this long stem of issues that came from this. Hmm. You know, there's certainly a level of change that both a pastor and a church can go through together. And then there are ways that sometimes we try to shortcut change. Yeah. In doing that process, we're doing a disservice to the church and the people we lead. Um, well, let me ask you this. So let's say we've got a listener on here who saw the title, was caught by the title, and they are either in the middle of a split or freshly coming out of a church split, and they are just reeling with emotions as far as dealing with uh, grieving the losses of those that have left the church. Uh, if they're a leader in the church, perhaps even questioning themselves, you know, and all those different things. Mm -hmm. What counsel or advice would you give to somebody who may be listening to this and trying to figure out, you know, they're having these, because we have all kinds of conversations with ourselves and they're yeah. talking to themselves in their head and they're replaying the tape over and over. And could I have done something different? What, what encouragement would you give that person that's listening to this? 
I'd give them a few. <laughs> um, the the first and biggest one that I would give is brother or sister. Like you need to be spending some really good time with the Lord. Like you need to be blocking out because I think it's so easy for us when we go through a split and struggle. It's not necessarily that we want to blame the Lord, but sometimes I think we're hurt to the point. We don't really want to spend time with him. Mm. And I, I think like for me, that was probably one of the sweetest things I enjoyed during that, that time of healing was I enjoyed my time of spending just more time than I normally do with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you need to spend more. If you spend an hour a day or 30 minutes a day or 10 minutes a day, whatever it is in your, your quiet time, double it. Just block it out. Turn your phone off. Let your spouse know, like, hey, I need this time. Because God God is the one that heals. You know, he, he's going to be the one that's going to soften your heart towards those that maybe you're, you have bitterness or anger towards. And God's also going to be the one that's going to soften your heart to be able to, to deal and grieve the loss of those that you lose. Because mm-hmm. be some of those we lost, man, I hated it. Like I hated seeing some of those people leave because mm-hmm. I deeply loved them and cared for them. And I had a great relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you need to spend time with the Lord. The second thing I would say is ministry is not something that needs to be done in isolation. Um, and I, I think that's something we really have a hard time with as pastors, even even those in the limelight. Um, like we think we're alone. And I would sit there and encourage you greatly, whether it's your DON, whether it's another pastor you're good friends with, there needs to be somebody in ministry or even not ministry, just a godly person that you spend some time just venting and, and like talking to whether that's venting frustration, whether that's venting like emotional, like you're just really upset about something, someone that you can talk to and walk through some of this with, because if you don't have people you can talk to and walk through this with, man, it, it's going to be a long, long road. That's one thing I was super blessed with, like walking through this, as I had so many brothers that God has put in my life that I could just call and like, man, I need help with this. And I need, I need help understanding this. I need you to pray for me for this. And it, I mean, it, it hurts, you know, sometimes you have to open up some of those scars, but you need to have people that you can talk to. Um, cause if you don't have people to talk to, man, it's going to be, I, I could, I could not imagine going through what we went through and not having, you know, the four or five brothers that I trusted to talk to about it. It makes a huge difference. If you're alone trying to figure it yeah. out, I would also echo that advice. Um, do you think that you've recovered from it? Looking back now, what are we two years removed, year and a half removed? I'm talking about just you personally. Me personally, I'd say for the most part, and I know this, this is still a process. Like, I mean, there's some of those those hurts that were bad. I mean, I had people that were literally that I was over at their house every weekend grilling out with that flipped the switch and would absolutely yell and point their fingers in my face and shut my door and go off on me for an hour and give me no words to say. Um, so there's still some baggage and hurt to some degree. Like there's still some people I see and I'm like, you know, kind of nervous around cause I, I don't want to be attacked again. Some of that PTSD stuff, but I would say that I'm a lot farther, um, along the road than, than I would have think. Um, even, you know, Saturday I was at Walmart and a church member that, that had left and was disgruntled and upset. Um, 
that hasn't talked to me, she made a point to come over and have a conversation with me and ask me how things were going and how my family was doing. Um, like saw me in the store, not like walking the same way, like saw me from a distance and made a point to come up and talk to me. Um, so like I, I see just different evidences of God um, still, you know, mending some of those relationships that have been, been tattered throughout all of this. Um, but it's still a long haul. Like, I, I mean, you, you've been further down the road than I have. You still grieve. You still hurt. Um, I mean, it's like, I mean, sit there and think, you know, whether it's a divorce or even like a, a death, you know, if you lose a family member, you know, there's still, but I think there's still like an element of you're gonna, you're gonna suffer the loss. Like you, you're still going to hurt and grieve and mourn those, those people, you know, even like you lose a family member, you're still going to miss them. You're still going to, you're still going to remember on mother's day or father's day or their birthday or the day they passed away. Like you're still going to miss them. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that's one of those things that always stays with you. But I think, you know, you also learn to live, you know. Did you and your wife grow through a season of just grieving, just the two of you? Yeah. I mean, we we, we lost, during this process, we lost our two best friends that we had when we got here. Mm-hmm. The first people to ever have us in their house, you know, have absolutely nothing to do. And my, my wife got attacked a lot, mm-hmm. like bullied a lot on um through text messages like one like one of the people even told her like you better not show what i'm sending you to anybody like and just absolutely just trashed her um so it was i mean it was there's a big season of grieving um because we we lost some of our core core friends here during all that it's painful which is why i would i would uh I would I would make it a kindred with divorce. It's a it is a divorce in the body. So anyway, well we're we're just about out of time. We went twenty three minutes. Can you believe that? So yeah. I guess we're gonna have to split this church split episode into two different ones. I see what you did there. You see, you like that, don't you? Uh, so tune in next time. Uh, Matthew's gonna flip the switch. He'll drive the train, and then I will be in his. I'll be in the hot seat next time. So sound good? Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.